If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio at War Chant TV. I'm Jeff, that is Tom, and there is Director Matthew, the gang, all back together again. First time in a while. Feels good. Happy Balls Wednesday to each and every one of you. Just find you in a good mood. Or doing well. Or on the cusp of doing well. Whatever it may be. Find me on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. And of course, if you're watching, appreciate you. Welcome in. And um, yeah, let's get started. Countdown to confidence, really. Weird thing, right? It's uh, to talk about, but I think that's where we're kind of at here. Does uh, the confidence that Florida State played with uh, in the second half and really late second quarter on uh, of the game on Saturday carry over uh, to this Saturday against Syracuse? Because if it does, I think Florida State's going to get their first win. Uh, I believe that. I, I, Syracuse is going to want to run the football. They're going to want to be very physical. Florida State was very, very physical uh, in that game, uh, especially coming up with the run fits and, uh, and tackling with violence and leverage and good technique. Uh, really, for the first time all season, did you see that consistently play out over the course of two full quarters, really a little bit more than that? Can it carry over? to the first quarter on Saturday. And as we've learned here with this team, that first quarter is a bit of a bugaboo. So maybe, just maybe, they did garner some confidence from a week ago. It's funny, too, because coaches, when you talk to coaches, and you know Norvell brought it up today, talking about the confidence to do this, the confidence to do that, to come and play with good technique and do those things. Uh, but, you know, I, I do a show like the one I'm going to do tonight on SiriusXM, PGA Tour Channel with Trey, you know, I'm always trying to learn from coaches who coach at a high level. And obviously, I mean, Trey's coached Daniel Berger and Brooks Kepka, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm always asking questions, just trying to learn something. And, and I'll say, well, you know, what did you tell them when this happened? Or what do you say about this? Or, you know, just in certain when they're stuck, when they're having trouble getting off the tee, when they're struggling in a round, when they're not making putts or whatever it might be, right? He's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, Jeff, anybody that's here that's at this level, that's on a scholarship at a place like Florida State. I think this is applicable, by the way. I know our talent is down right now, Tom, but but I but in terms of baseline talent overall, if you are good enough at all to play football at this level to get a scholarship here, certainly uh, as it relates to, to to golf, a big part of what has to happen is that you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe you're going to make plays. You have to believe that you know what you're doing. You have to believe and trust what you see, and. I don't think we always, especially not on defense, and especially not to start games, 
I don't feel like we believe what we're seeing. You don't see them just react. You see them kind of slow-footed. You see this this sort of doubt. They get they they overplay things occasionally, even. And that really shows up when you go back and watch these games that they're not just playing football. They're thinking football. There's there's nerves involved. There's a lot of stuff that's not just freewheeling playing ball. And it drives me nuts because that's just a lack of confidence. Now, understanding why you would have a lack of confidence. Well, four years of suck is why you would have a lack of confidence. A lot of guys have had a real hard time, uh, you know, winning football games. And and on other guys, for example, like you think about a guy like Mackenzie Milton, he's got. Physical ailments, things that are physically keeping him from succeeding at a high level like he did when he was at UCF. So that may never come back. He may never get that. It doesn't appear that he will. He's going to have to play and, and, and work around that. Uh, other guys on this offensive line at times, it, it's, it's unfortunately some of it's lack of talent, but some of it too is just watching these guys sort of play slow and not trust themselves. It's very strange. And you see it with other guys too on the defensive side of the ball. Now, it doesn't seem like a surprise to me, Tom, that the guy playing with the most amount of confidence, the guy who physically dominates play-to-play, and the guy who always plays fast is a transfer from Georgia. <laughs> right? It's, it, it's not surprising that some of your better players are guys that did have success elsewhere or were on uh, uh, or playing with winning programs were on a winning segment, if you will, even from where they were, whereas others that have been here all along, eh, not as much. Well, to use the golf analogy, since that's where I was, and you mentioned a couple of names I might have seen last week in Daniel Berger yeah. and Brooks Kepka. We play with golfers sometimes, and if you're playing the ball down in a group, that uh, the three-footer, that's a problem for them. Mm. You know, it's almost like a self-fulfilling thing. They get over the ball, and you're like, it's a three-footer. That could you be don't have occasionally, to, yeah. You don't have to give the hole away. Just make your putt yeah. back and through, and yeah. it's in. Yeah. And you still get nervous for them. You can almost feel it. Oh, you're they're standing tension. on the yeah. green, and, yeah, and they're yeah, standing yeah. over it. Heck, even I will do so. Sometimes, if it's a little knee knocker, you stand over for an extra second because you want to make sure everything's aligned. But then you see their hands, they're kind of wobbly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Lack of confidence. And then there are others who, well, Oop. you know, their single digit handicappers are better. And, I mean, they could, they do it like Tiger does. They'll take the putter and it's going off the toe or off yeah. the heel. And they'll <laughs> just intentionally just mess around with yeah, it because yeah. they don't have to think about it. Jermaine Johnson is that player yeah. who wouldn't sweat a three footer in the analogy because he's been there, he's done it, and he's seen it. So there's not even a concern about this base-level crisis of confidence. No, not at all. What and you I, did see, though, in the second half, I thought was exactly what you're talking about, was like, oh, so, oh, yeah, so this is correct. Uh, yeah, I'm doing this right. And then on offense, and now I'm playing fast. And then on offense, you saw Louisville doing the opposite. A lot of their second-level defenders were doing things that we recognize as an old fans all too well, unfortunately, yeah. which is they're freelancing, they're over-pursuing, they're all over the place. We got them going left and right instead of up and down, north and south. Yeah, man, I thought the whole thing in the second half was about confidence. Look, it doesn't mean anything if they don't go out and play that way in the first quarter of this game against Syracuse, and it'll be the last time I'll bring it up. It's really it's the only time this year that I've brought it up where I thought I saw some growth. You know, I mean, there were things we talked about after the Notre Dame game. We thought we saw a mentality shift uh, in the way that they fought down 18. Yes, that's true. Uh, but we also directly commented, all of us did, that, well... The best thing that happened in that Notre Dame game was that Notre Dame decided to play off and Florida State took what Notre Dame was giving them, which was to run the ball, right? They didn't panic. They ran the ball successfully. Now, that was basically given to them, and they made that happen, and that was great. That was great. They took advantage of an opportunity. They did not panic as a staff, so we all kind of walked out of that game feeling better, but in terms of 
you know, in my mind, growing within a game and then seeing, you know, that remain consistent for a stretch of time. In this case, more than 30 minutes of this game. They sustained uh, a high level of play in an 11-point ball game in the side. Listen, and again, I, I'm telling you, I've gone back and watched this a bunch. There are moments where Louisville looks to be milking clock. There are other moments where they know they need to convert because this thing is starting to get too close, and they can't. They can't. They're challenged, they're physically whipped, and they can't stay on the field. Well, who's trying to milk it with 14 and a half minutes to go in the second half? Well, I, I've said the same thing. Now, you would some would argue, well, there was a mentality shift. Maybe, yeah, because he got hit. Right, and also maybe a 31-7, but by the time oh, the second half yeah, yeah. by the time the second half has started, no nah, man, you can't have that, especially one play, 75 yards touchdown. Like you're back in it. Maybe it takes you a drive to get going again, but no. What I saw, especially from Louisville defensively, I didn't see them playing back. They were challenged challenging the run game. If you look at the Corbin run, they're challenging to stop the run there. They've got a, a blitz coming off of the spot. Yes, yeah. They've got seven other bodies around the box. The offensive line actually, breaking news, gets a surge on that play, mm-hmm. and then it's a one-on-one juke in the hole with, an, with a linebacker who doesn't know where the he- what he's doing or where the hell he is, and that's how it allows for Corbin to go you know, 75 yards for the score instead of maybe 12 yards, first and 10 Knowles. But no, man, they were coming up and challenging us, mm-hmm. especially on defense, and we responded to that challenge for a drive or two in the second half. Unfortunately, that's the hard part. Well, that, like, yeah, that's you're seeing Louisville defenders, long. you know, freelancing and doing all kinds of stuff, and you got them moving left and right, and you can see some of the things that we set up in the first half are paying off in the second half, but we don't cash it in with touchdowns, mm-hmm. and that's where going down 31 to seven kills you, and it leaves you with a bittersweet taste in your mouth because that's yet another gettable game that is now gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. I, I I just have to see a carry over here. You got to get this win. I mean, that's all you really can do now. Uh, it is, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Adam Fuller in this defense to not to start slow in this game and not come out the box and immediately see your team trailing, uh, giving up a big play, which takes the, the wind out of the stadium, out of, out of your players, and, and really the life out of everything that uh, you've built to to that moment, right? You're kicking off, you're ready to go, and then bam, just like that, a shot play, play action. It's a simple post, and you just get a run by, and it's crazy. You know, yeah. and, and, and Gant suckers in, comes in, yeah. bites on that. I mean, there's no way... I don't know. Other than a crisis of confidence, that you do that, that it's you're a shot to do a too week. Much. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's at week. minimum a shot a week. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 really interesting. Uh, I I think too that when you when you get back to um, watching and and to me this whole thing was less about Florida State's offense, which is going to be problematic all year long. They are not going to be good on offense. Period. They're just not going to be good. Uh, they they can't be. They don't have the personnel to be good, and they're not strong enough up front, so they're just not going to be good. That's going to be fits and starts, and you're going to be frustrated with that, and there are going to be times that you go, okay, they can run the ball a little bit, and other times you're like, eh, well, eh, three and out again. Um, it's about this defense keeping you in the game and giving you opportunities for the for the big play, right? Florida State has had to live and die by the big play. They really, ha- very rarely have they sustained long drives. They, they have had some, but not a lot, and that's going to happen when you've got a pop gun arm at quarterback, less than elite wide receivers to say, uh, to put that nicely, uh, no tight ends to speak of, and, and, and that offensive line. So you're not going to sustain a lot of drives. At least Cam turned in a nice catch, a, a whirling dervish catch in that yeah. game on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, at least we know he's alive. Because that's, that's actually a bad ball yeah. and a nice adjustment on the ball. Yeah. Um, There's yeah. a pulse. That's all I'm saying. You know, that's nice to see. Yeah. No, that's, it's, so it's interesting. Uh, from here, I, I think at the end of the day, you'll live with all of the stuff that is going to be the maddening inconsistencies of, of, um, 
of subpar play on offense, and and we kind of know. Again, we've kind of vetted this thoroughly. To me, it's about the defense over and over and over again. Um, they have players on that side of the ball. Now, they're going to be weak at linebacker all year long, especially where they get exploited in the middle of the field in pass coverage. That has happened time and again. Um, so I, I, I don't expect that to stop. But the front four have played very well. That has remained consistent. The back end can be so much better if they begin to play with confidence and believe. Make plays on the football, come up, tackle. You saw Brownlee was violent in this game. Uh, I know that's a guy that you don't want to leave on an island. I got you. I mean, there are detriments to his game, but, man, he's going to fight you, and I like that about him. We need a few other guys on that back end to play with that kind of speed, passion, and belief. Well, that was the scout. Now, unfortunately, Louisville does hit the shot play early in a couple of deep looks because we're just not that great. But the scout on Louisville is they like to run a lot of actions at the line of scrimmage. What I'm talking about is like the targets of plays. It's not really that far down the field. Malik Cunningham drops deep. He rolls right. He rolls left. But you got to come up and make hits in those situations. And that's what you saw in the second half. You're right. You know, you were talking to me about the scout. I came home and... I watched the fourth quarter live from the grandstands at uh, Whistling Straits before Shane Lowry drained his putt on Saturday. Right. And uh, you said, you're going to be surprised by this play, this play, and then there's here's a couple things that you're going to love, and one of them is stringing a play out and getting downhill and making a play for Brownlee. He did that a few times, oh, yeah. actually, oh, yeah. in Lots the game. Yeah. yeah. And played with great violence in those situations yep. with leverage. Of course, you can you can trigger that way and be violent when you're in the right spot. And right. played with te- proper technique and leverage. I mean, they did everything right on several short-yarded situations in the second half. The third and two, fourth and two stops are the highlight of the game. Well, it's the control triggering as well. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like the over-pursuit, you're going 1,000 miles an hour and you're going the wrong way and you're not even a part of the play because the, the camera follows whoever the, has the ball for another 30 yards. That's the other thing. It's like you see it, you diagnose it, and you get downhill. To your point, last year, a term I used a lot, there were thinking steps and not playing steps. It's still happening. But it happened less in the second half. And listen, if it sounds like we're, we're grasping for straws, of course we are. We're 0-4. Yeah. You will grasp for straws a little bit. Well, you look for signs of life, and there's been a lot of signs of life. They're not a good football team. Like the, All of the conversation surrounding the team is predicated on the basic understanding that everybody involved in said conversation understands they're not good. This isn't a good football team. This is not going to be a good season. They aren't going to win a lot of games. So we don't have to keep repeating that, right? It's, it, it's nauseating. Everybody gets it. They suck. Now, can you get better as the season goes along? And my answer is yes, obviously they can get better. And they can find some guys that they can win with moving forward. Now, again, that winning that we talk about, the, the eventual, okay, they're not pits of the earth in the ACC, right? Well, that won't be this year. They're going to be terrible this year. So next season, the season after, there are some guys on this roster that will still be here when that happens. You're trying to find them. Can you win with them? Can you grow with them? Yeah, for me, like the bitter part of it is these are three games that you could have won if you if you executed correctly and played to your potentially didn't have like ghastly errors for big parts of the game. And, mm-hmm. of course, the first half would be the Louisville example. I still think Wake was a more winnable game, even with offensive line injuries, if you stick with the run a little bit more. Because here's the thing. Let's say that you succeed 10% of the time or 15% of the time with traditional runs, but then also you could play things off of it. What percentage chance do you have in that game with Jordan Travis or Mackenzie Milton throwing the ball down the field consistently? 
less than five. Yeah. You know, that's a, you got to pick what you're good at, even if it's not in the grand scheme of things. The old old school NCAA football game, if it's a D minus, it's better than the F minus. <laughs> give me give me the D minus rating. Yeah, that yeah. gives me the best chance. And these were three teams. I know that Wake is now, I think they're ranked in a couple of the polls, but yeah, whatever, man. These were winnable games. And here's another one. Here's another one. Does it mean you should win? I don't know anymore. I don't know what the definition of should win is anymore here in Tallahassee, but it's another chance. It's a home game. Come on, baby. One time. Yeah, well, so by the way, that's what's interesting is having the conversation about putting yourself in a position to win is a very different thing than talking about predicting them to win because I'm not sure they're better than Syracuse. Um, if you go back and watch Syracuse's four games, uh, they're very physical. Uh, they have run the ball very well. Uh, they've played very good defense. That that team that win over Liberty is a good win for that program. Uh, they have played better than any of us thought they would. And so when I when I look at this game, I think Florida State, if again they carry over the same sort of uh, confidence that they had in in defensive speed and technique and all the things that we've illuminated this week. Yeah, they'll be in a position to win that game. Doesn't mean they will. They'll be in a position to. Florida State is still bad at kicking the football. Close games. You need to make field goals and extra points. Uh, we haven't been great, um, you know, in terms of winning the hidden yards. Not good in returns. No. Not real good uh, punting the football consistently. Uh, he's great and then terrible. Great and then terrible. Pick so, a foot. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Let's pick a foot. Yeah. So, bottom line is, there's enough bad on this team uh, that even if they play well and play with confidence, that, uh, that you know doesn't mean they'll win the game. But you, they'll be in a position to. Syracuse is not obviously. It's not like you're playing Georgia Saturday. Yeah, you guys talked about it yesterday on headlines, and I'm sure you hit on it on Sunday and Monday. And that's the hard thing about you know jumping into the flow of a week on a Wednesday, where you pretty much hit on things, and now it's time to move forward. But I thought the biggest play in the game was the punt going over. Oh, it's crazy. Helms head. it's crazy. It's you talk about the leverage change, yard. but I mean, yeah. it, that, that has a multiple drive legacy. And what does that do? That takes valuable time off the clock. Oh, yeah. Time that Completely you really could have used yeah. in the second half, mm-hmm. given the way things were going. Mm-hmm. Give us another five to seven minutes in that half, and let's see what happens. I, we might not win still, but damn it, man, if we weren't controlling things at that point, that is just a huge play that can't happen. I, you know, I, I don't care if the scouts said that is inexcusable. <laughs> well, I don't know how you're 30. Yards, thirty-five yards away from that. I mean, that's it's a bizarre scenario. I, I don't know. That's <sighs> like taking a clip and then a personal foul after for a late hit. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. like, let's march him on back. Well, it, it's very fascinating. It's uh, you know, within a lost season, within a season of disappointment, there are things that you focus on every Saturday that you want to lock in on to see because, you know, obviously, gone are these ideas of some grandiose seven win campaign so now what are you watching for well you're, you're wanting to see certainly traction i talked about it all the week before i wanted to see it and of course this game started with none i mean and I, that was it's you talk about just feeling absolutely gutted with this game starting that way i thought oh man it's going backwards and you know in real time while you're watching that it's as bad a defensive performance in the first quarter and a half as you'll ever see I mean, you just won't see, and Florida State's had some stinkers. You won't see, I mean, this that bordered on Jimbo's Louisville game with Lamar Jackson, right, right. where they could have just done anything they wanted. Well, it was all the coverage busts and oh, the easy throws and the pitch and catch and the third down conversions. Third down conversions, eight of nine, boom, It, boom, it took boom. the life out of the trenches is what you saw, too, <laughs> yeah. because they were still working it, but then after about, you know, four touchdowns, you saw a little bit of a, yeah. a surge 
consistently from Louisville that you didn't see before, would you think, oh, no. Yeah. They're, they're putting their hard hats up on the rack, man. They're done for the day. And then the next thing you know, that's not the case at all. Well, it's the late touchdown at the end of the half, oddly enough, even though we missed the uh, the extra yeah. point. Uh, I, I don't know if that got them. You know, obviously, you garner a little bit of hope there, and then you, you go in and you're able to, you know, you come out and you end up scoring again before Louisville does, and all of a sudden you're in a ball game. And I think that re-engage that group up front, and they really were dominant at that point. Well, of I mean, McKenzie, less than 100 yards of offense in the second half for Louisville. Of Mackenzie Milton's top five throws in his brief time at Florida State, that drive featured, what, three of them? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I was thinking, whoa, okay, so but every I, once in a while, you do have that in you. It's not like it's got the velocity of Jameis or Jake Coker or anything like that, but I'm yeah. just saying the decision, the anticipation, and the placement were all in line. So he's got that in him for stretches. You know, what's interesting, too, is... Um, I'll be very curious because Syracuse has done a lot of this, and I know we got to go to break. But in looking at them, and I know you've you've looked at them too, they got up a lot of pressures. I hope so. I want teams. If McKenzie Milton is starting at quarterback, with all of his limitations, pre-snap's not one of them. So uh, I want teams to speed him up. Uh, when they speed him up, he plays well. Yeah, when he, he doesn't have that. to think, he handles that really well. So I, I, I mean, if I were playing uh, Florida State in McKenzie Milton. I dare him to make throws. I'd play off and make him, dare him to make throw after throw because I, I really don't think he can. Uh, and I think my guys one on one will win up front. So I, I'm going to stop the run with just my front four, and I'm going to say good luck. Um, but if you want to bring pressure and, and you know you dial up, speed him up, he knows where to go with the football in that sense. We've got plenty of time to talk about it, but I think there is one line of delineation between the idea that we can't block him up front. I get it, especially if Scott is not healthy and Maury Smith isn't back, or if they've had time to set. Or if they've had time to set. <laughs> but then also the idea of, well, this offense isn't predicated on lining up and running it up the gut. No. Or, uh, that's not what this is about either. Anyway, when the personnel is fresh, when the personnel has an advantage over the opponent, Norvell is still trying to outflank you and angle you at all times. Yeah, yeah. That's where I get frustrated with this talking point. Well, you can't block them. Hands to the sky. No, man. This offense already is built on creating angles and yeah, looks. It's, it's, it's all that zone stuff, yeah. And getting your eyes in wrong places and moving you laterally in your brain and with maybe one bad step and then somebody's gone and well, we've got the playmakers to do that. That's where I think that this argument takes place. Not that, of course, most teams we play against, if we just lined up and try to run a dive... No chance. No chance. No, the gap, the gap stuff and the zone, inside zone stuff, it really works for this team for two reasons when, when it does. Uh, it's, it's that you have two backs that can make a guy miss right. in close range and then and then go from there. That That's helpful, obviously, between uh, Corbin and Ward. And then the other part is when you run tempo. That is the only time you can really get that move. And if you win first down, and by win, I mean second and eight. I mean, it's right. not, that's not a traditional win, but you'll take that. It's not a negative. They have a chance to run tempo on those plays. But with the RPO and the, and the pass part of it as well, like so you've got pre-snap motion and then an RPO yeah. option yeah, yeah, to go with it yeah. as well, and that's how you get that extra defender to be looking somewhere else. I mean, how in the hell was it that Georgia Tech all those years playing straight option football would not get railroaded by Florida State when we were loaded? Yeah. Like, think about that 2014 game. That comes. That's a score fest. Yeah. How is that possible? Right. You, you know why? Because you're creating angles and you're right. creating conflict. Well, and you're also repping the one thing you're really good at over and over and over again and that other teams don't see. So there's that. Thank Eric, you. good job, by the way. Thanks. Word up to you as well. Appreciate the uh, contribution there to what we're doing here on the Jeff Cameron Show. Happy Balls McWednesday, everybody. It's uh, the JCS on 93.3. Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Would you be willing to take... The over, say, 
79 and a half, 80 in that Alabama Ole Miss game. Lest we forget last year, 63 48, your final, everybody. So it's 80? Yeah. 80. Oh, man. I, I didn't check it this morning because we did a preview uh, for a college sports book on YouTube, and I interviewed. Uh, Kyle Henderson, and, and we were looking at numbers uh, for the Alabama part of that preview. I, I got to do the Ole Miss part of that preview uh, this evening. And, um, you know, obviously you, you look at Ole Miss, uh, this is, a, you know, Matt Corral is just threw seven touchdowns. Uh, they're, they're, he's putting up ungodly numbers. Uh, but they dropped 48 on Alabama a year ago. What was the Kyle Henderson's opinion of how much uh, Alabama's going to give up defensively? Uh, we didn't get into his opinion about that. I didn't ask it. I don't really care about that. Very I, well. I, I wanted to know who was healthy and who wasn't and uh, how it would affect the game and, and just in terms of personnel. Um, you know, Certain guys emerging, obviously. is uh, They've got a three-headed monster at running back. They always do. And I was just looking at certain personnel. Uh, but, but the point would be here, uh, this, this game obviously is uh, is one that uh, last year was soaring over early in the third quarter, <laughs> and so I'm just we're just trying to win some money out here. Yeah, that's a tough one for me, just because I mean, if you've got the Florida performance in the back of your mind, you're thinking, what can Lane do? But then again, does Saban want to shorten the game, shrink the possessions, and and win it that way? Just run the ball, run the ball. These guys know each other so well too that it causes for weird yeah, it makes outcomes. It di- makes it makes it difficult, right? Well, I mean, it's kind of like you know the Brady and and uh, Brady and Belichick thing this weekend that mm-hmm. everybody's talking about. And, and Tom Brady told the media, we talked about this on the Scuttlebox podcast that I know exactly what they're going to do. I know exactly how they're going to repair where they're going to be looking. Do you? Do you though? Wouldn't it be just like Bill Belichick to do something completely different and get you off schedule and get you thinking? That's exactly what I think is going to happen on Sunday. Otherwise, then the Bucks are just going to beat the Patriots by 14 to 20 points. It's seven, I think, is the number. Yeah, I think that's light. Did you see 94% of the betting public is on the Bucks minus the number. Because they also know that red-ass Tom Brady is going to want to house New England for two reasons. One is obvious. The other is they just lost. The Bucks did. Mm-hmm. I mean, the frustration probably going into that game, pretty high. Um, Ryan, thank you for noting that. And whoever that was in Fort Worth, Texas, tell them I said thanks for listening. If they walk by again, listening from my cube at work in Fort Worth, complete stranger walks by and says, Jeff Cameron Show? Go Knowles. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, I also appreciate uh, all of you who are on uh, the chat right now. Well, I appreciate some of you that are on the chat right oh, now. Oh, here we go. I heard too much <laughs> about this. Uh one person did ask, and I don't have their name up right now, is this the least talented roster we've had in 30 years? Uh, yeah, I, I think when you go back 30 years, you're talking about going back to uh, the 90s, and in the 90s, uh, this year in and year out was one of the most talented teams in the country, so you just ignore that decade. The early part of the 2000s, uh, you still have elite talent. You play for a national championship, you don't win it uh, when you lose to Oklahoma. From there, you have some years as yeah. you start to get into the middling time towards the ends of Bowden career uh, when we talked a lot about doing less with more. Uh, the draft would reveal often uh, that Florida State was doing less with more, hence my talking points at that time. It was infinitely frustrating, but they still weren't losing seasons. They were you know, they were bowl-bound teams with, with some talent here and there, NFL talent here and there. Uh, and then, you know, even when at the, at the tail end of that, Jimbo taking over, you would always have 
you know, four or five guys that you thought, okay, well, there's something to build around here. Yeah. Uh, this has been a, a, a downward spiral for uh, the last two years of Jimbo's time here uh, on into the two years Willie was here and then now uh, the time here that Mike's been here. We've watched it progressively get worse, and it, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, I think it's an easy answer. It's an easy yes. Yeah, because, easy I yes, mean, yes. you know, towards the end of Jimbo's time, the beginning of Willie's time, you had guys like Derwin James still playing here, Cam Akers obviously <laughs> still playing here. Like, by itself, I yeah. think that makes the roster better. Oh, well, you I mean you're talking about Cam Akers and Terry at wide yeah, receiver? Right, had, yeah, right. sure. And in my time when I was a student here, I mean, you still had linebackers. We we did have linebackers in those days. You had yes, we had some Timmons and Buster Davis. Oh, absolutely. And Dakota Watson among oh, yeah, others. Yeah. Geno Hayes. So that position was way better than it is now. And you still had defensive linemen in my heyday as well. It's just the secondary was so bad, and you didn't have any skill players that you liked. The O line was eh. But it wasn't this bad as, as the offensive line has been in the last five years. Easy answer. It was Perry who was asking. So easy answer, Perry. Yes. This is the least talented roster in 30 years. Yeah, very frustrating. Uh, and, and that's what makes it all the more difficult because everybody then can say and, and does say, well, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? Well, you know, uh, I'm not saying there isn't room for criticism because certainly when you're over and you've lost to an FCS school, you can be criticized. Uh, but I am also saying that uh, these, the, the plethora of options that people seem to turn to on the regular when the offense gets bogged down, yeah, man, they're not all that viable when you don't have good players. And so, you know, or they're easily stopped. Now, I do think you have to fight for an identity. I do, you, I do think you have to play around what you do have, which is those two running backs, without question. Right. Uh, but it's not so simple. Just give them the ball 30 times. It doesn't work that way, man. Well, I, I think it could if you run base, and this is, this is the hard part. We, we came to this conclusion at the end of the segment, last segment, which is if you've got a few RPOs you really like, and they give you different options every play based upon the looks you have. Yeah, that, is it going to yield you 35, 40 points? No. No, no. But might it give you some consistency and maybe, maybe, because no. of all the bodies we're rotating in and out, maybe you could just factor in that you like these three guys for this look and these two guys for that look. I thought you saw some of that in the second half of this game. It looked like there were some guys who maybe uh, emerging rode the pine for a little bit, and then others they said, all right, we're going to go with here. These are our horses. I got to guess. Um... By the way, yes, uh, Scott Injury brought up DJ Williams. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good and ran hard. Ran behind his pads, yep. stayed low, looked like he was in shape for the first time since we've seen him. Okay. Liked him in camp because he did look in shape in camp. He had trimmed up considerably. Yeah, so a couple things here. No, I do think you have three three guys. Might have four guys in that backfield that uh, at various points you'll use. Obviously, we know the top two. Uh, but but um, curiosity. I understand they don't have a lot of talent at the position, and I've talked about it a lot. And you do have to put somebody out there. And to physically look at him, you'd say, well, I guess you're our best option. I think we've reached a point where you can stop playing Jordan Wilson. Oh. I mean, I've reached my breaking point with him. I don't think yeah. you, you, you really, you're operating at a deficit when he's out there. Now, some guys just get physically whipped because they can't play. and Or they're not good enough at this level. They, they'd have to play somewhere else. Uh, other guys get physically whipped and don't know what they're doing. And that is an awful combination. And I feel like you get enough evidence of both with Jordan on the regular. Yeah. Um, yeah go I, all the way back to the Jacksonville State uh, yeah, game, Tom. I don't disagree because I brought it up after the Jacksonville State game where I said, hey, have you watched what four looked like in, in a lot of key yeah, situations? No, he's, he's, he's awful. So what I saw after looking at the whole game with Louisville is is not surprising because I saw that against Jay State. And if that is what is in you against Jay State, then my God, that it could be a problem at any time. 
And if you look at the trick play, the fourth and three, oh, he call, totally whips. He's not. He, I, I doubt he's supposed to look over. He's overselling it. You yeah. know. Yes. And you're not. I mean, the trick play is absolutely blown up because he doesn't get his hands on anybody. He goes straight Correct. down the line. And Correct. I understand why they have to trick people. And people get, get so mad about. Well, why are you trying to trick people? Because they have to trick people. They can't line up and move those guys off the ball. Not when the other team has had time to get set. They're not gonna. That's why they do things like the wildcat. That's why they do all that stuff. They yeah. have to trick people. I'm still not a fan of that call. However, I think it works if Jordan Wilson if he puts his hands on somebody, even a hand, a finger. He doesn't finger. touch the man. Yeah, the man comes yeah. straight down the yeah. line. It just but, crashes. But my my counter argument to that would be that's what happens when you run trick plays. Weird stuff happens because it's a trick play. I mean, how often are you gonna rep that for uh, real? Uh, well. They're probably repping more gadgets than they've ever had to rep before. But, I, I mean, because you can't win in the red zone yeah. either, so they're going to have to gadget their way there too. And that's really frustrating. People see that and are like, why are we running that in the red zone? Because they can't move people off the ball. They, they can't block them. It's a condensed area. I saw some signs with motion. Like this, this reminds me of one of the greatest games I've ever seen, and they didn't score 20 points at this team. I re- reference it all the time. It's Spurrier going back home. When he was at South Carolina and he oh, played yeah, yeah. Urban Meyer's national title Gators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the final score was like thirteen to ten or sixteen to thirteen, something like that, where Florida blocks a kick at the end. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Spurrier had nothing. nothing. He had no, nothing it's all to work gimmicks with. and gadgets and just trying to yeah. Right. But it was the same base two or three things that he'd run four different plays out of. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, just yeah, when yeah, you yeah. assume it's going one way, it's going the other. I saw some of that this weekend. Yeah. Where a, a, something we would run in the first half actually was being set up for some some time later in the game. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of times we've looked at Norvell's offense in the last two seasons where we said, ooh, I, I like all the things that you can run off of this. But it was so helter-skelter well, against Jacksonville State and Wake that I don't know that there was ever a setup for a payoff. It looks like they're trying to do that now, which tells me that I think they're getting even more simple offensively. And, and two ways that they can do that. Number one, you can shrink the playbook. Number two, you don't have to prep two quarterbacks to play. That also helps well, make things done. much more simple. They're done prepping two quarterbacks. I mean, they, they, they McKenzie Milton starting unless as long it's as Purdy. He, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, McKenzie Milton is starting if he's if he can still walk, which you do question week to week. And I'm not even trying to be a sarcastic no, a hole. No, I'm telling no. you, I mean, man's foot just stopped working twice in this last game. He just fell down for no damn reason. So, I mean, you know, you do worry about it from week to week. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Like and subscribe. Send it all around. Let your friends know to uh, join us on a Balls Wednesday or tomorrow on a Redemption Thursday. Looking forward to the Thursday matchups. Um, diving into that Cincinnati-Notre Dame game. That's uh, basically a playoff elimination game, uh, I would think. Well, certainly for Cincinnati it is. Um, and Notre Dame's just not good enough. By the way, Cone has gone on to be what Cone, what I thought he'd be. Because, of course. Another interesting matchup because, obviously, Marcus Freeman just departed Cincinnati, so you've got knowledge. Yeah, you got real knowledge, knowledge there. problem you have for Notre Dame in that game is their offensive line has been outside the top 100 if you look at all the advanced metrics. They haven't played well at all. And Cincinnati's the top 30 run defense so they are coming into the game. Notre Dame is one-dimensional. Coming into the game, they're going to have to throw the ball. Jack Cohn hurt his ankle last week against Wake, uh, I mean against Wisconsin, so he's not really mobile. And uh, Havoc rate, Cincinnati top 35. I think this sets up for a Cincinnati ass-kicking of Notre Dame, to be honest with you, if they don't turn the ball over. They could, unless Marcus Freeman has really good intel on the Cincinnati offense, and then you've got uh, you know, well, a 20-13 to 13 type game. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that absolutely. They're going to want to possess the football, and and there's no doubt about that. And he'll have something for Desmond Ritter, whom he recruited. So yeah, yeah. But but man, just don't turn it over, and you're going to win this game. When I saw that offensive line week two after our game on Monday, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, so how good is our defensive line? That was the question I was asking during the flow of that game because we didn't kick off till later that night against J State. The answer is our D line is still pretty good. It's still pretty good. But uh, it's amazing how far Nor- uh, Notre Dame's offensive line has fallen in just the scope of a year. I mean, you look at what that program has done over the last five, and it's careened into the side of a mountain. No wonder they were trying to go to get Kane Madden. They had to have him. He started and they hate him. He's played terribly. Yes, he got blown up in scrimmage two before our game. That's yeah. where I was thinking, ooh, wait a minute. Yeah, wait yeah, yeah. A yeah. No, it's, uh, now, he would be probably our best lineman. <laughs> but, 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 I mean. And maybe Gibbon still wouldn't be playing for him. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just uh, don't know. No, it's interesting to, to, to look at that play out. But there are a lot of. The slate this week, my point, ahead of Redemption Thursday, is really good. Uh, because you know, I already mentioned Alabama, Ole Miss. But Arkansas is now in the top 10 traveling to Athens. Sanford Stadium to take on Georgia. And, of course, Sam Pittman was the offensive line coach at Georgia. Big He is beloved in Georgia and by Kirby Smart. Actually fun this week in prepping to do that game preview. I watched the coaches talk and listening to Kirby Smart talk about Sam Pittman and Sam Pittman talk about uh, Kirby Smart. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that's, it's a mutual admiration society, which I thought was really neat. But you, you can learn more about the other coach by listening to that guy who coached with that guy. Um, and, you know... Uh, Arkansas is 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 pretty limited here. They have a physical freak at quarterback and wide receiver, but you're going against the best defense in college football. That is a problem. If Georgia's in a lot of man, you might get to see some some scrambling and some big plays there to keep them in the game. Do I detect that this was a game that you had for the college sports book? Yes. Okay. Yeah, college sports book yeah. preview. I look forward to it. And I had this game. I had Cincinnati, Notre Dame. I have Ole Miss, Alabama. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, three good games. Then you look in the afternoon window on Sundays, and you might be able it's to, great. you know, poach something as well in that particular circumstance for Redemption Thursday. Did I tell you I won a three team teaser? No, got all my money back that I lost last week for an awful card for the Jeff Cameron Show. Awful mm. card. I was t- I was four. What was I, Matthew? Here I was like th- four and seven, four and eight, something like that on the card here. Yeah, yeah. And then in my real life, I was terrible too on on Saturday. First bad. Um, First bad weekend of the year for me, no doubt. You're, well, you're going to have them. I mean, if, if you gamble, that's what's going to happen. I got my ass kicked last week. But on Sunday, like a, two, like a true degenerate, I chased with a three-team teaser, won that bitch at plus 165. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Joey, right. Joey was smiling. Uh, I teased down a six-point teaser. I teased down Cleveland to minus one. I, cle- uh, I teased down Buffalo to minus a point and a half. And I teased down... Um, Oh, who was the other one? Uh, I can't remember now. But I, it was the third team that I teased down, and they all won comfortably. That's always good that we have our teasers on a group text thread that we do with the guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, you yeah. can brag about that. Yeah, yeah. He didn't mention that, though, probably because – did you see that uh, the aforementioned a friend of ours, Joey, got famous? You know, he, had, he went viral, the video of the war yeah, chant. With the war chant, yeah. That was pretty cool, man. Yeah, and so that's fun. That's, uh, that, that's good to see. Uh, well – the fact that the nation watched that thing, that was really, really cool. Yeah. Just because I know that's what going viral means, but, I mean, just to hear the war chant in a positive way. <laughs> oh, well, sure. Yeah. And and you know what? I'd say the percentage of the people who were doing that that were Knowles was maybe 20 to 30%. It was but Bills, you- Cardinals, Browns, and I was most worried about the Cardinals against Jacksonville screwing around half that game. If they would have cost me oh, my yeah. three-team teaser, I would have been livid. Well, they play a big game this weekend. You could see why mm. their, their attention might have been paid to yeah. uh, the yeah. next game that they have, which is against the Rams. Right. Well, all right. Now I'm addicted to teasers again.
I'm going to bet 15 of them. I'll just go teaser crazy, and I'll fall out of love with them real quick. Chef Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Ole Miss. One final note here on that. Uh, have you watched a lot? Did you do you watch the Louisville game? I presume you watched Ole Miss in, in the Louisville game. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting night for the Cardinals, and yet that team still beat us. But yes, I did watch that on that Monday night. Yeah, well, they have a linebacker that can really play. But the other thing that I would note here is that um, Ole Miss runs a lot of three two six. Here's a little three two six for that ass. A little dime three two six. Yeah, a little three two six. I'm like, all right, okay. And Arkansas is going to try to run a bunch of umbrella coverage against Georgia. I'm like, yeah, you're inviting to get run on. God, <laughs> people are going to learn. It's it's almost like hitting the the uh, the Cat Five siren that we repurpose on Redemption Thursdays. They're going to know which games you're reporting on for College Sportsbook because all of the specifics that you now can just boom boom fire off about every game. It's gone exponential this season. Yeah, uh, well, you you got you to know what you're doing, man. If I'm going to be on there on College Sportsbook, uh, the, the rationality and the reasoning has to be correct. You don't have to get the game right because it's gambling. That's what happens. I mean, people get it. Turnovers, weather, weird things happen. Guys, they're kids. Kids have bad, ga- bad games. But you got to know why you think a certain thing, and you got to lay that information out there for the people to decide which side of the ledger to be on. And so I'm going to do my due diligence for the college sports book. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to make sure I know who's done what and why. And that is helpful for this show because we come in here and we start talking about games, and I end up being forced to know at least a little something about almost everybody that's in a Power Five at some point. Now, the the bottom dwellers, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be previewing too many games involving, say, I don't know, Northwestern. But you got us. You know, we're a bottom dweller, so you know some things about us. You're going to learn some things about I know too many things about us. Other bottom dwellers because we are in the ACC. There's a lot of them. Yep, there's quite a few. Hey, the story of the year in college football is A, how wide open all this still is uh, at this point in the season, which is a great story and a sorely needed story for college football. Way too predictable the last five years, and now you're in a situation where like, well, I don't know. I mean, is Oregon for real? Uh, are they a playoff contender? Sure they are. They have to be, right? Does Ohio State bounce back, figure something out on defense, and get get right by the end of the year and give themselves a chance? Perhaps. I don't think so. I think they got real problems at linebacker. Um, Oddly I, enough, the Michigan game could be an opportunity they, for Ohio oh State to flex. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see. But... Um, no, there's a bunch of stuff here that that's at play. Clemson's terrible. That offense is awful. I know. And I told, I, I said before the year, man, I am that offensive line is the worst unit on the field mm-hmm. against Georgia. Right. Here's right. what we found out: that offensive line is the worst unit on the field against most teams they play. It is remarkable, and they're getting poor quarterback play. So all of a sudden, you don't have all world quarterback play, and people don't look like geniuses. Yeah, I know, and and it makes you wonder that if we were, you know. About oh, a step or two uh, better with that defensive line. Yeah, well, hey, listen, we may not give up a billion points in this game. Yeah, maybe a little 27-7 to 7 action. Woo! There you go. All right. There's I'll an take. improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you remember uh, with the way things went at the end of last year, kind of the thought being that, oh, well, they're going to hang half a hundred on us easily in this game. I don't know anymore. I don't know. They can do that against air. Uh, they have struggled mightily to move the football with it's any degree of consistency. Probably more about sin, entitlement, and that players are paid now. <laughs> I think that's what it. That's probably uh, the reasoning. Has nothing to do with aptitude. He's racing to the pros. Yeah. Racing to the pros. Too much any entitlement. Yep, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> 
I may go see a movie. What? In the theaters. Which one? Uh, the Many Saints of Newark. Which one is that? That's the Sopranos, man. It's the oh, it's a, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. David. Chase. I just know it as the the Sopranos thing. Yeah, yeah. Well thought of already. It's uh, and I just listened to a long David Chase interview. It's fantastic what they what they set out to do and how they accomplished it. It's really good. I know you typically don't go to movie theaters no, just because but I'm go you know see that one, I think. hashtag dad life, right? But mm, true. When it's time for like. When they don't offer these things on streaming services, and maybe that bell is not unwrung, and it can't be unwrung, and so they always will be offered on streaming mm-hmm. services. Because now you see in theaters and HBO There's Max, in theaters and Netflix. You'll still go, though. You'll still prioritize it instead of taking the you know the 15 bucks and spending it on the streaming service, right? Like, you actually physically go? Yeah, I, if it's the kind of movie that I think um, you benefit greatly from seeing in a theater. Um, you know, I... I I just I'm eager to get back. I'd like to see that, and uh, and that looks like something uh, stylistically I want to see in a theater. Like if if it, so, for example, I, I'll just use this off the cuff. Where where if the scenery in this case not that case for this movie, but if the scenery is a big part of the storyline, is a character in the film, uh, the Revenant comes to mind, right? Right. Like right. It, it, you need to see the Revenant in a theater. I mean, that movie is all about. Yeah, can we put 1917 back in the theaters, please? Which was awesome. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.